from Orms, this is Orms Air, where we unpack and investigate the compelling questions at the forefront of our creative community's consciousness. Joined by the artists, photographers, and creators, brave enough to step up to the mic and join us in discussion. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Orms Air, the Orms podcast. Today, we are joined by the absolutely wonderful Nina Zumalong, international fashion and fine art photographer. Nina, welcome to the podcast. Yay. Hey. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I am. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Um, surprisingly, I don't think we're in winter. Uh, yeah, what is this weather? I was at Spice Street yesterday and it was so hot. It was like 28 degrees running around in like a crop top. And I'm like, what is this? Where is the rain? <laughs> I'm loving it. So I'm not complaining. No, me either. It's been a strong vibe. I'm not going to lie. Before we get too sidetracked by the weather, I think I should probably jump in with my questions because I am notorious for going on rambles and getting completely lost. So... Long-time listeners of our podcast will know um, that we really love to kind of start our conversations off by delving into our guests' creative beginnings and kind of like where where your origin story is as a creative. Um, and of course, you've kind of been doing photography full-time since you were at 27, but I want to go right back to the absolute beginning, starting off with what was your earliest introduction to the medium of photography? Sure. Uh, actually, I think I was like baby like a child like a nine years old Mm. eight years old six years old and I remember receiving like this Kodak film camera book and like it was like basics of photography and in that book it came with a like a little film camera and I actually remember I was taking photos with that and I I enjoyed it so much and I don't know what happened to that camera I wish I could find it but I mean looking back at those photos actually my mom printed them in the a family photo album and they are terrible but like still I think that's what triggered it like I was just running around my garden taking photos of the grass and of like the, the dog's <laughs> foot and like you know I mean back then it was abstract but um yeah that was probably my first time I had a camera in my hand and like my family my dad and my uncle like they also really love photography and mm. like you know we are I think my family is quite creative and um you know they always like encourage me to take photos and enjoy so like i had like begin beginner cameras like nothing fancy it was like you know those ones that all zoom yeah those ones um that was my first memory and then I, you know obviously you go to high school and you know you, you forget about it because you know of all the things in school and like i think that's where i forgot about it and then mm. um after graduating i think that's when i got back into it yeah so, so after graduating high school well, yeah, after graduating high school, uh, no, went to university, after university, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry, university, I was like, I'm going to be in a, you know, get a career, and yeah. a business job, sit behind a desk, nine to five. All the, all the things we think we want. Yeah, I tried <laughs> it, didn't work. <laughs> we're, well, we're so glad that that didn't work out for you because we wouldn't have been able to experience your yeah. wonderful photography otherwise. Um, so from a recent interview, because people who listen to this podcast also know that I have to do all of the stalking basically of our guests before this is how you get interesting questions stalk people and watch all their old interviews and read them and things um so we know um that you were first handed a professional camera whilst working in 
the corporate world in Germany. Is there kind of a story behind that and how that happened? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there is a story about behind this. Um, so I, when I was in Germany, I was also like a travel blogger. And um, at that time, I was just like going around actually taking photos of my phone. And um, so my uncle... And my aunt, they owned a pub in Kitzbühel. It's a small little town in Austria. And there's like a law, if someone leaves something behind and doesn't return it or doesn't come back to get it, then, um, you know, it's it's the pubs or it's the restaurants, whatever. Mm. So someone had left a 5D Mark II camera at um, the pub with a 50mm uh, 1.2 lens. And, um, you know, back then, like, I, you know, all I had was my phone. So I was, like, pretty happy with it and I was working doing quite cool with it. I did quite cool jobs. <laughs> and then, yeah, my uncle gave us to me, this camera, and he said, um, I, I feel like this is going to change your life. Like, just enjoy wow. and have fun. You know, at that time, I didn't know what this camera was or was worth. I mean, back then, I think um, I, that, that camera, if you had a look back, it was like a 35,000 Rand camera. Yeah. And, like, for me, you know, there's me. I'm so used to taking my phone. So I'm not going to lie. There were times where I brought that camera with me on my little trip. So I went to Copenhagen and I had lugged the camera with me and I took photos on my phone. Mm. I didn't take photos on the camera purely also because I didn't know how to use that camera. I didn't understand like how amazing that camera was. You know, then I started to hang out with all the other photographers and they were all like getting me into it. And I started taking photos on the camera, not knowing that I'd set um, all my settings on the camera to thumbnails. So, oh, mm -hmm. mm. yeah, all those images, I thought they were so amazing, all thumbnail sizes. Oh. So they absolutely, no, I can't do anything with them. But yeah, that was like my journey into photography. You know, I've got this camera and um, I just started taking photos and then more getting into it. And then um, I was actually working in, um, I did two jobs in Berlin. Uh, one job was in the fashion um, industry. And the second job was like in a startup company where we were developing a fitness app. Mm. And my two bosses were like, hey, you like photography. You know, you do all these travel things and all of that. And you're always taking photos. Like, why don't you take photos for the app? And I think that's what triggered it. That's that's literally what triggered my photography journey. And I was like, okay, cool. I need to figure out how this camera works. Not realizing how amazing this camera was like you know just it literally changed my life i took the images um of the model and everything and then like itunes had featured us app of the week and then that's when i'd seen my images like i'm like wow this is what i can do this is something so amazing and i i was like you know what i want to be a photographer that's mm -hmm. literally where my journey started i think that changed my life you know that me being handed this camera and like you know not many people get to have this opportunity where someone hands you a camera so I feel like um, this is what I was meant to do. And like, this was my path. So I just was like, you know what? Let me just keep going and see where I go. Yeah, that has got to be one of the most interesting origin stories I've ever heard. I don't really tell many people the story because <laughs> it's a bit crazy. And like, I, I wish I could say like I worked for it, but like, I feel like, you know, family, you know, they're always there to support you. Yeah. You know, my uncle was like, you know, we believe in you, just follow your dreams, just be creative. Cause like yeah. he thought it would help me with my travel photography. But like, you know, I, I, in a way I feel guilty because I'm like, I wish I earned it. But then like, that's why nowadays, like when I have my gear, I make sure I buy every single thing mm -hmm. of, that I own and yeah. I don't go to anyone for it. It's, it's all, you know, I have earned it. Mm. And um, then I'm, you know, really proud of what I have and what I earn. And then, you know, you look after your stuff more. So it's not like 
just like a handover. Like yeah. that's not, I don't believe in that. Mm, mm, no, yeah. absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just a, that's just a crazy little story of mine. <laughs> I love also that, I mean, you got a great lens with it as well. Like, can yeah, you I know, believe it? It's a nifty 50. You know, and that, that is what I learned photography on is a nifty 50. And it's a classic. It's for me, it, it made me not a lazy photographer. Mm. You know, like, I think it's such an important lens to have to start photography. Like, you know, when you're just starting out, like, you know, and yes, if you are into photography and you want to, like, start, like, working with it, then mm. I'd say 24 70, but a yeah. 50, just to teach, teach your eye and train your eye and, yo, it's powerful. Also teaches you to, like, walk your focal lengths, mm. that sort of thing. Like, yeah. you get so familiar with the compression that you get. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of, like, starting out on primes. Yeah. 100%. So you've spoken a bit about, like, kind of what kick-started you maybe, like, with, with shooting for the app and everything. Was that kind of what made you decide to pursue photography as a career? Or was there more of a, a sort of build-up there? Oh, there was proper, a proper build-up. Because obviously, you know, now I'm, like, I mean, I'm living in Berlin, you know, and things are quite expensive. And I to completely change your career path you know that is it's quite intense and quite scary to look at everything as a whole um purely because you know like yes I have a degree I could be working in the corporate world but now I want to completely change my whole path and you know to do something like that at that moment you know yes you've got a certain amount of money in your bank account it's like do you stay longer in Berlin or in Europe and then to to like study photography or be more professional and I was like actually looking into all those op options and I wanted to there was a place in Poland that I wanted to go and study at and mm. then had found out it was like a thousand euros a month just to um, be part of this um, university and then I was like thinking you know then you got your accommodation then yeah. you got this and this and I was like you know to be honest like I can't afford this so I was like well let me go back home to South Africa my home base where my mom and my dad are and mm. if, any, if it fails you know I at least have my my home system where they they can help me out you know yeah. in terms of like I don't know just you know if anything happened mm -hmm. so I actually moved back to South Africa and I uh, did a short little course but way before the, that I was already just pumping photography I was traveling like I, I really made sure I surrounded myself with like all these photographers like in how would you say Instagram photographers yeah. but for me it's probably the best decision I've ever done because I was so inspired there's this one photographer her name was Lara Zalenga, and uh, to this day, there's so many, um, her work has really inspired me just because of the emotion that she captures. Mm. And um, when I met her, I was I was at this, um, it was Instameet in mm. Frankfurt. I never classified myself as an Instagrammer, <laughs> but to say it out loud, oh my God, goodness, I was one. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they invited us to all go to Frankfurt and then I'd met all these photographers and I met her and I've never, I was like, oh my goodness, I love your work. Mm. I was just being surrounded by all these photographers and they, they were actually telling me like how profitable, you know, photography really is because I, I came from this whole mindset where, you know, if you are in a corporate job, you know, that is where the money is. It's mm. not in the creative industry. Like, you know, I actually spoke to like about 10 different photographers and each photographer said to me, you know what, they also took a big leap of faith and like there is money in it. Like for me, I it's sad at that stage I was focusing on the money, but for me, I was thinking also about my future. Obviously, mm -hmm. I don't want to go into something where there is no money. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. So there was this one guy, his name is Justin Sullivan, good friend of mine. Um, I he's think, the, sorry to interrupt, yes. he's the wildfire photographer, yes. isn't so he? So he, I'm giving a big shout out for him. He's the one who actually was like, he, he convinced me, he was like, Nina, just do it. 
Yeah. So I, for me, I, I look up to him because he, he was the one who inspired me. He was like, you know, just follow your dream, just do it. And I promise you it will all fall into place. And it did. So that was, yeah, that was like three and a half years ago, two and a half, three and a half years ago. I was like studying photography and like just hanging around with other photographers. And like for me, you have to be around these like-minded people to really drive you. And if I didn't do that and I was like all on my own, I don't think I would be where I am at. Mm. And um, I did a short course in photography, but I feel at that stage I'd already taught myself everything that I needed to. Mm -hmm. So yes, um, like short courses, there are they are helpful. Like, you know, like Orms has a short course. Like I That's would some, recommend. Yeah, yeah, fantastic short courses. As someone who did it before I worked here, yeah. 10 out of 10 yeah. I'd recommend. Yeah, I'd really recommend doing that. You know, if you feel really clueless and you obviously don't have the access to those photographers to hang out with and also YouTube. But like for me, I, I, I just winged it and I just threw myself under the bus and just started, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, apart from the the short course, um, you mentioned YouTube, you mentioned kind of like drawing on that creative circle that was around you. Were there any other like resources that you turned to for kind of like educating yourself? I shut every single genre of photography. <laughs> I, I, I really said to myself, you know, if I really want to be a photographer, I need to understand my camera and understand every single genre I can do of photography. I just put myself out there I try to watch like every YouTube like more about editing like uh, for me editing is so important like yeah. I look at you know if you don't know how to edit you, you can be a great photographer and obviously when you're starting out you need to know how to edit because if you can't edit you can make your photos look terrible so true and that's something people don't really tell other photographers like it you know invest your time not only in photography but learning to edit your own work so you understand Mm. You know, you, you can get to a point where you can start paying people to edit your work, but that does take time. Mm. You know, like, I mean, for me now, it's only two and a half years. Now I can pay people to edit my work, but I like to edit my own work because it's my eye. It's, I want to show how I see it. And I'm very stingy. Yeah. You're not stingy. What is it called? You're very particular. Very particular. I said stingy. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're like, I get it. Stingy with my work. <laughs> stingy with your work. No, but I get that. It's also about like seeing your vision through the whole way, yeah. through the project. It's you know? super important. And like, you know, you need to teach yourself all the basics and, you know, it, it, it's hard and it's a lot, but if you really want to do it, you will, mm. you know, a hundred percent, like throw yourself under the bus and just shoot, like take every single job and, Make sure that that job, when you shoot it, you treat it like a million-dollar job. Mm. I tell people this, and, you know, then they say thank you so much because after doing this job, I actually got more job. Mm. doesn't, you know, it's, it's important. No, it's good for, your, good for your reputation. Take everything as seriously, even uh, the free jobs in the oh, beginning, you know. My goodness, the, the <laughs> <laughs> things I've shot, I was, like, on the back of a motorbike shooting cyclists and, like. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like, the, you know, like, you know, Cape Epic. You know, I mean, me at Cape Epic being like the only female photographer there. Like yeah. That for me was very cool. There's me arriving to Cape Epic with this big Samsonite hard case bag, you know, and everyone's got these backpacks and everyone's laughing at me. And I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> like I literally had no clue what I was putting my foot into. Yeah. But the one night, all the tents flooded. I was actually pretty happy because I had my hard cover again. <laughs> so it was a random story about that. I just like, I, I could never forget that. It was hilarious. Um. But yeah, like people, people thought I was like the little princess there, but I was like <laughs> hanging out of the car. It was just crazy. Just, nah. just tackling it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, it looks like we've reached that point in the episode where we ask you to share Orm's Air with your friends. But seriously, 
If you are enjoying our discussions and being creatively enriched by the insights of our guests, it would be straight up fantastic if you would consider telling your community about our little podcast. If you would like to make your voice heard in future conversations, all you need to do is get in touch with us via one of our communication platforms. We accept DMs, inbox messages, tweets, emails, and even notes sent by Carrier Pigeon. So don't be shy. Send your most burning creative requests, questions, and wanderings to any of our social channels linked in the show notes of this episode. Tell us a little bit about your decision to to transition into like becoming full-time like in that creative field. What sort of led you to that decision and then how did you kind of navigate that transition from you know working corporate and then you know deciding okay now I'm doing photography full-time. Yeah so I obviously had to quit my jobs and job in Europe and then move back and then um, I just started like assisting other photographers like lots Mm. of assisting and second shooting for weddings like it was you know like even I I I said to myself like for a full year I'm going to do everything I can to just open my eyes and um, open my mind so I assisted these wedding photographers some of them didn't pay me some of them paid me I wasn't following the money I was literally following the the education the the things I learned, like watching them, how they work and see how, what they shoot on and all of that. And I like, kind of like spying on them in a way mm. where I'm like, I can use this to my advantage in the future. And I just took every single job, any opportunity, even if I did like a, I shot like a, once in the beginning, I shot a birthday party for a, a, a two year old. And they were like, listen, we can only pay you 500 rand for like four hours. I was mm. like, no, cool. I can do it. Yeah. but you know i learned a lot i learned just to like just take it as it is but like still like after that job funny enough i got another job but because someone was at the party and they saw me and they saw i was shooting so even though i I was like struggling a bit at that moment i ended up just getting work from that so it was pretty cool it's a bit of a bonus so i get it yeah like i just threw myself under the bus really yeah and i can also just just to add from like a videography standpoint it works exactly the same way for anyone who's wondering that's how i got into it i like shot a bunch of free things and then finally like my big break was i got noticed by like a local influencer and she was like this video is so great i want you to shoot my wedding that's and awesome then, yeah and then and it then blows up yeah exactly and then you suddenly you've got like makeup companies contacting yeah. you and yeah. the next thing you know you're like so busy yeah. and then you also have to like throw yourself out there like mm. dm people send people don't dm sorry email yes there email we go. professional email <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie I do dm people but i'm like yeah let's hi can i get your email address please and if they yeah. reply they get the email address and you send them an email blank hi, can I shoot for you? You know, you have to throw yourself out there and yeah. start pushing, you know. I get a lot of photographers asking me how I do it and you really just get out there. Mm. You know, just do it. Like, don't be scared. Mm. What are you scared of? Yeah, nothing. Rejection. What's, what, what's what, the worst? What? They can just say, no, thanks. Cool. What's rejection going to do to you? Nothing. Literally nothing. It is all an illusion. Such great advice. Putting yourself out there a lot really helps. And, you know, like, where did that kind of lead you to in that sort of stage of your your photographic journey? From all the jobs that I did, um, I noticed I started posting my own creative work on my social media channels. And that is how I got those international jobs and those other jobs that really pushed me, like, 
push my work further and made me get more bookings. So I also really used, made use of social media and um, had my own website. And obviously I was sending a lot of emails out to clients and saying, hey, I'm a photographer here in South Africa. I'd love to shoot for you. And also making sure I go to all these networking events, parties, mm. for me, part, not parties and like clubs, but like, you know, gallery openings, um, you know, make sure you really network because it's all about networking, really. You need yeah. to make sure every time you go out, when you speak to people, you find out who they are and what they do. And, you know, you'll keep that in the back of your head because one day that will, you'll be like, oh, wait, I know this person. I can go back to this person. So networking for me was probably my savior. <laughs> Opportunities I've gotten just from the people finding out about me, finding out what I do. And then they go, oh, wait, I know someone, I know a photographer. And they contact me and they're like, hey, you're, you know, you, you said you're a photographer. And then, you know, can I see your work? And then mm-hmm. you show them your work. You know, like, don't be, don't be scared to tell people what you do and throw yourself out there. You know, like, always make sure when you speak to someone, you really are listening and you really, um, you show them that you care. Because for me, like, the amount of times I've done that, I've actually gotten something out you know and also like I really do care but like it's so important the networking in this industry and if you don't do it you're not gonna you know you're not gonna get that extra boost from those people I would say about 60% of my jobs is from word of mouth and from meeting people and networking yeah so it's it's, it's really important and you have to go to those those events and just meet yourself and meet everyone and then hand out your business cards you know throw yourself out there even if you feel like I'm wasting my time I promise you you're not Mm. This is such good advice, people. You need to take notes. I hope you've got a notepad and pen out, listeners. Let's chat a little bit about your visual aesthetic and the sort of photographic genres that you frequently engage with. We obviously introduced you as a fashion and fine art photographer, um, but tell us a little bit about like how you went about discovering these niches and then what made you decide to commit to them as your like primary vehicle of expression that you explore. So basically, thanks to COVID and Corona. Really? Yeah. That's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and do fine art because I've always wanted to do it. Like um, a lot of my work, the creative works that I do show on my Instagram, that's all private work. And um, what I like to do is I like to show people a crazy story. Like I go all out. Um, You know, I was like, you know, why not create something like a fine art shoot where, you know, can see if there's a demand that people really want to see your work or want to purchase your work so because I you know was deep in COVID and there weren't many work and job opportunities at that time so I was like you know I've got some time and I had an opportunity that popped up and they were like create something so you know what I was like you know what like I really shoot my fashion shoots really are quite fantasy like sort mm. of I don't know it wouldn't ha- that wouldn't be a great way to explain it but I don't shoot like the norm mm. and my work does stand out apparently the, if you look at my work I have a, a what's it a feel people you can yeah. see my work and they go oh, Nina shot that yes I don't see that mm. so I mean I shoot in a way where I just really have this sense of calm in the person and um I don't know I it's like this thing I look for I can't I still can't put my finger on it but it's like it's connecting to a model and um I was like, you know, I'm going to do this fine art photography and try and do it in a way where I can try and sell these prints. So mm. I did it. I invested my money into it. I I saved up, you know, from previous shoots. And I'm like, cool, I'm just going to do it. Let's just, you know, do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for me, I I fell in love. I fell in love with photography again all, all over again because I'm creating something 
from like my crazy mind. Like I didn't go into that whole fine art shoot with a mood board. I just said, I want to just create mm. and play and just, you know, have fun. And that's what I did. But even with my fashion photography, I do throw a bit of fine art in it. And with my fine art, I do throw my fashion in it. So it does mix. But in a way, if you look at my works differently, you'll understand like my fine art does stand out very different. Does stand out to my fashion. Because mm. with fashion, you are selling the clothing. Yes. You know, you are selling um, the, the clothing, the bags, the shoes, whatever, whatever the model's modeling. That's what you're selling. But with fine art, I'm selling the person. Mm. the story mm. you know and that is how I distinct my work you know that's how I'd be like you know it's a and b but sometimes yes I do get excited by throwing my fine art into fashion but mm. some clients like it yeah have a slightly different focus I suppose yeah and mm. you know for me it's all about my eye and people book me for my eye and not many other photographers know how to do the certain things that I do and I've got many tricks and tips that are my secrets where, you know, if you're on set, um, me and my assistants see what I do and they're like, oh my gosh, is that your secret? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so like, you know, like I, I want to show people and tell people, but in a way I'm like, you know, this is, this is also my style. This is like yeah. my secret. This is like my, my stamp. Your signature thing. My yeah. signature. There's mm. many things and yeah. Got to keep those things, keep them close. That's what makes your work special, yeah. you know? I'd say so. So with the fine arts and the fashion, like I, you know, I've always done fashion and I was like, you know, I'm going to take the leap. So I took the leap to do the fine art photography and, you know, was investing myself. And for me, it was really worth it. Like I took that step and for me, it's opened up a door, a door to, you know, just creating new work. And I'm very excited. I'm starting to plan more fine art shoots. You know, it's all about saving up money because, you know, you have to pay your team and you have to pay your um everything like the location mm. it's, it's it's a big thing like my the previous shoot I did it was like a proper two-day shoot and it was like accommodation it was transport it was petrol it mm. was like it was a lot and um like you know just follow your dreams because you never know where it's going to get you I think how how does your approach to a fashion shoot uh differ to a fine art shoot Sure. So a fine art shoot is, it's a lot. I have to create a custom piece outfit. I have to obviously find the designer, ask the designer, listen, let's create something from scratch because I don't want that outfit or the clothing to be seen in another shoot or to be seen in stores. Like I want to come up with something completely unique and mm. um, very like, one of a kind. So I still actually have that outfit from like shoot that I did really? I'm planning to wear it to Africa burn Woo! when it happens <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah you have to create that from scratch so it's, it's it's a lot and then you have to get the full team and you have to get the model and you know people need to sign documents you know you know release image release documents and then for the fashion it's it's I wouldn't say it's as much but it's the same I mean um you have to have a style or stylist someone who help helps out with the clothing you need two assistants like two is like perfect and then you need the makeup artist you need the model um depends if you want another model and then obviously um i like to have the designer of the clothing with me as well yeah so it's like a full proper team mm. and it's, it's it's great it's a vibe i enjoy it a lot mm. it's, it's all about the team really if you don't have a good yeah. team then you're not going to create that work mm. literally like if it wasn't for the team i wouldn't be creating 
Instagram. I was going to ask if you enjoy that sort of collaborative oh, aspect it. of it. Yeah. I love it. And also another thing, if you know, if you want to create cool work, like just go and collaborate. Like I, I mean, if you look at majority of the work on my Instagram, it's collabs. Mm. It's, it's like from me pitching to someone saying, Hey, let's do a shoot. Um, you know, if you can't, if, if you don't have a stylist, then actually write to designers and be like, can I borrow a dress or two? And then I will shoot for you. Yeah. You know, I started off um, borrowing clothing, not borrowing. I would say, yeah, borrowing clothing from like uh, secondhand shops. And that's how I got all those cool outfits. You know, you, ha- you always need to find a place. Mm. Mm. Well, you just go to the shops and then return. That is the sneaky way as well. Oh, hacks, tips and tricks, guys. You have to be careful. <laughs> they are they are closing in on us. <laughs> <laughs> They're starting to notice. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so when I think about your work, the first two things that kind of come to mind for me, like things that stand out, are the locations that you use, definitely, and then the way that you pose your models. Yeah. So I want to kind of ask a little bit about your location scouting process. Um, what are you typically looking for in a location and then sort of like how long do you spend kind of searching for that perfect spot well I'm always kind of location scouting like yeah. um for me I'm always on the lookout um it is so important to find unique places because like if you keep using other places that other photographers do like your work is just you know like cool it's not amazing because you know people have seen it you know mm. there's only so many ways that you can shoot Clifton and make it look unique you know like oh you know, you have to you have to go out there if you really want to create amazing work and put the effort in and finding those locations that are so special, so unique, where you see, you know, you, you got to throw in the whole story that you shoot. Like, example, you find the right clothing that would work there. You would find the right model and you try and tell the story. But for me, a lot of my shoots, I am actually also mainly inspired by the location. For me, it's the most important. So if you have a look at all my shoots that I've done, it's it, the locations are absolutely like crazy. And, you know, you you got to tell the story. If the location for me is really dramatic, like you get mountains in the background, then I'm going to go all out crazy with, with styling mm. and do something big and, you know, blow it all out. And obviously if the location is very minimal, um, be it uh, like very like sand dunes, Atlantis, and you keep it very minimal, you know, you you have to work really well with the um, location. And um, it usually does take me quite a long time. Um, so there's a shoot I've been wanting to do and I'm still location scouting for it and I haven't mm-hmm. found the right place. But when, when, when you find it, you're like, okay, let's just do it. A lot of the times you do jump over fences. A lot of the times mm-hmm. you are in areas where you feel you are not supposed to be and also you don't feel safe. But the thing is, like, for me, it's all like getting the shots. Like, yeah. I am so, like, you know, I have to get it right and, you know, be quick. But there are so many locations where if you just drive out of Cape Town, there are so many where you can shoot out and, like, you know, people are chilled. You just speak to the farmer. You speak to the person who owns the wine estate. You know, you you chat to him, be like, hi, I just want to do a creative shoot. Can I do it here? And everyone, honestly, the amount of yeses I've gotten, it's, it's crazy. Like, people aren't really, like negative towards photography they will let you you know you have Mm. to tell them i'm not making money from this this is my creative shoot i just need a safe spot to shoot at another photographer also taught me that it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission very true so that's another little motto i do live by where i'm like you know i don't have time to ask for permission but you know i'm not breaking the law like they are like those like farmlands where they don't have fencing so Mm. i 
I'm not saying I'm a lawbreaker with the locations I shoot at. I feel like I just did that. But, mm. um, you know, there, there aren't fences. And then, you know, where there are signs that says prosecutors will be, you know, jail or I make sure I don't go to those places. Yeah. So you, you just got to be careful. And, you know, there are some places where you can and you just know you, you have to jump over a fence to get there. But, you know, they are quite chilled. Yeah. How long roughly would you say it takes to find the perfect spot? So it does take quite long to find the perfect spot. You know, when you're in a rush, when you get those like client jobs, and they're like, we need to do this, 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 this. You don't have time to find the actual perfect spot. So, but if mm. it's your creative projects, for me, it would take like, I'd say two months or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like you really, you know, you know, put time in it. It's not like an overnight thing, but then if you find it quickly, you're like, cool, let's just throw a team together and let's shoot. Yeah. Kind of depends. It, it depends purely on what you're looking for. And, um, for me, my eyes now to shoot in places that are more outside of Cape Town because everyone is just shooting this place like crazy and mm. I just want to stand out. Stand out, you know, like I aim to go viral, not to <laughs> not to copy. And don't copy other people's locations. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm so tired of seeing that. Yeah. Otherwise, everything ends up looking the same. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm not throwing shade to uh, the swimsuits and like the bikini, but yes, they, they only can shoot at like Clifton Beach, but you'll see mm. as an example, when I said like, try and be unique and creative, like if you have a look at all these swimsuit um, photographers, you look at all the images and they all look the same because they are shot at the same locations. And there's only so many ways where you can try and make it look different. Yeah. Going on to next about capturing your subject at their most vulnerable um, that's where I was going with the next one and about like how you can uh, like achieve that sort of look. It's quite difficult. It's a very difficult question, mm. but I like coming in here with the hard hitting questions. That question you asked me is quite difficult, but mm. it's something I still to this day um, don't know how to really answer just because like, you know, to shoot someone at their most vulnerable, mm. like for me, I push my models a lot. So I would say, do it again, do it again. Like it's mm -hmm. repetition, repetition, repetition. It's not just like pose, give me a shot, click, you know, you got the shot. No, like I see a lot of photographers do that and they capture models. <laughs> they don't capture the model. It's, 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 they lose that connection. And for me, the, I've discovered the way to get that is you push the model to a point where you tell them to do like the same position, the same movement again, again, again. And, um, you know, if you see some of my behind the scenes videos, I, I literally, t again, again, I'll actually share some of that with you guys. Mm. And the model will do it again and again to a point where it's just coming. It's not, she's not thinking about it. She's yeah. just doing it mm. because it's, you know, it's like. It becomes like muscle memory in a muscle way. Muscle memory. So it's like, it's, it's automated yes. in a sense. And then, and then I, I, when I'm capturing it, I'm not, I'm focusing on the whole body, the way the clothing flows. But my main thing is the eyes and what mm. they're doing with their face and their facial expressions. And it is so important to get, like, once I've gotten my shot, I know it, I'm happy, I'll move on. But, like, if I don't, I really push them. And um, if I don't do that, I've noticed that the images that I've created, I don't connect with. Mm. You know, like, I, and I think that's why when my fine art comes through with my work normally, like my fashion work is, I'm, it's, it's the emotions that I capture. And I don't think many fashion photographers capture that. They don't look for the emotions. They are looking at how the clothing falls. But with me, mm. I'm literally doing everything all in one. And that's how I'm, I feel my fine art eye is helping me with my fashion. Just because 
I feel like it tells a story. You know, yeah. I want to create that image where you look at it as a whole and you're like, what is she thinking? Like, what, you know, like mm. the movements. Like, there's an example with this model called Adiola. She's amazing. And um, there was this one pose, or three, three poses that we had to do. One with her um, walking with sheep. That was super easy to do because it was super windy. She was cold and she just wanted to get the shot over with. So you can see, like, because if someone wants to get the shot over, she just doesn't care anymore. She just, she's mm. cold. And then there was this other shot where she was jumping. And when she was jumping, she had to fling the clothing out and jump and then watch her face at the same time. I think I made her jump up and down about 20 times sure. to get the shot. And the shot I got of her was absolutely incredible. And also another thing that I do to get the emotion, this is quite horrible, but I shoot barefoot and so the models that I capture some of my work they're also barefoot so I can also understand their pain threshold that they're going through so at the end of a shoot like I can barely walk because my feet are so sore mm. and um, that for me also I think makes the model stop caring so much about how she looks and what she's doing it's a very it's a very weird like um, psychological thing mm. I've realized and I've noticed where I don't know. It's 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 just something, and like they can they earthing, and they're really connecting mm. with earth, and I like to capture that. And you know, it's, it's something I still can't put my, how to explain how to how I capture that. But I just feel like I need to understand the model whole. So that's why I need to go through what the model is going through. Yeah, and then I'm like capturing that, and mm. yeah. I think I think I have two things to add about this. Actually, I, I love what you, how you've described it. I think you've actually described it really well. But the the connecting with them on that level is almost creating like a sense of a empathy and a yeah, bond. Yeah. yeah, which I've heard my best friend's also like a, a lifestyle photographer, and she she does that a lot. And then for me, like I've done it in a different way with video. Like I think that every person who shoots video should at some point be in front of the camera and mm. like understand. <laughs> yeah, it's ha- true. Understand. So you've got that connection with yeah, your subject. You understand. You yeah, understand it's what huge. it's like and what they're going through. But interesting about the repetition idea. So I'll never <sighs> forget this. I watched a documentary about Stanley Kubrick and the way that he made Eyes Wide Shut. And he, as a director, he did something similar to achieve those types of very like raw performances from his actors where he would make them do their takes hundreds of times. It's crazy. And then, and then suddenly they're in a dreamlike state where they're yeah. not thinking yeah. about it's like, like meditation. What, yes, it's exactly. Meditation. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. So you were using some majorly Stanley Kubrick sort of effects <laughs> there, which I am awful. I think that is fantastic. But I also feel it's important to understand what they're going through. Yeah. Like you know, yes, you can be you, first. You know, get to know them, talk to them before the shoot. But like I've noticed, a lot of photographers go into these shoots not treating the models like humans. Mm. They're treating the models like I don't know. Like they don't look at them like models. They they don't look at them as humans. They look at them. Uh, it's just, it's like a model, you know, they can subject. do anything, a subject. And yeah. I, like the, the stories I've heard from models where they're like, the photographer just doesn't care. And like, that's why I really make it my aim to understand what they're going through. For example, if they're wearing no shoes, I will wear no shoes. Yeah. If they have, um, if it's really cold, I won't, I won't have a jacket on. Mm. And then I understand and I always make sure my assistant is right there with the jacket for the model. And it's, you know, you, you need to really look after your people and yeah. your model. And like, that's where, uh, you know, the photographers, they sometimes forget about that because they just want to get the shot. Mm. But for me, it's, you know, you, they're human yeah. and you need to remember that. And, and if the model is happy and if they trust you, then also I think that's when you capture that. Mm. 
and you know they they trust you and they trust your process and yeah it's, it's, it's a lot of things to it and for me I just want to tell you that you really do need to look after your model yeah like, please like look after them mm. I get so annoyed when I hear these crazy stories yeah mm. that's a really beautiful answer um yeah no it's about like like respect. holding yeah respect, respect and yeah. holding space and like earning that trust so that you can achieve that sort of vulnerable expression I think more kind of like on the the shooting and everything um your your poses to me always feel and I think this this probably hmm. comes out in the repetition and everything but your poses always feel like really innovative really deliberate really like thought out um and I wanted to know if you had maybe any advice for like newer photographers who are wanting to kind of up their posing game a little bit and kind of create shots that stand out do you have anything to say on that topic yes understand the clothing understand the location you're at so um also like if it is really crazy location then just keep it very minimal and clean and you know work with the colors i think also if you're finding the right clothing just make sure the colors are aesthetically pleasing in the mm. image i think if you have an aesthetically pleasing image when you're looking at it then that's a you know the comp the composition then will play a huge part if it'll make it a good image or not a good image. I would definitely focus on the clothing and how the clothing moves because you can always pose with the clothing and how it moves. And um, it's very interesting when, if you look at an image and like example, go onto, go into a magazine, open up the first clothing advert that you see and you look at the way the model will position her body and you'll see the way the arms are pointing and, and you, the first thing you look at is what the photographer, whoever took that image, is what they want to sell. Mm. So if you want to know about posing and how to sell something, it's how you position the body to point to something. So if you look at an image, example, like there, mm. that one there, there's a, there's a box on the table. And like, if I had to ask you, what are they doing? What are they showing? What is the first thing you look at when you look at the image? Uh, probably the product, I suppose. Yeah, the little screen mm. thing. Yeah, and that monitor thing. The yeah. monitor thing, that's a good image. Because mm. when I'm shooting, I sometimes, sh well, not sometimes, all the time, shoot with a live screen. A lot of photographers go like, how can you do this? And the reason why I am doing this is because I'm actually seeing the image already as a whole. And for me, you know, looking through the eye piece, yes, it's great, but I like to see how it's going to come out. And mm. when I'm looking at this image as I'm shooting, I'm always going, what is the first thing I look at when I see this image? And that would be, you know, example, I'm selling handbags, so mm. it needs to be the bag. And if there's anything in the image that I don't like, I'll be like, let's change it up, let's do a different position, work with the clothing, this. So my tip for you is go crazy. Like there is no rule. Like, yeah. you know, don't follow what other people are doing. Don't copy what other people are doing. Like, I'm just so tired of people. Yes, they have these like mood boards and they copy it to the T. Yes, cli with clients, sometimes it's important. But when you're creating your own creative work, play. Mm -hmm. Don't be scared. Don't try and copy this person because this person is, I don't know, the best photographer. Like, you know, it's your eye and you need to capture the way you see it because, you know, for future jobs, like, you know, you don't have... You don't have that security blanket to fall in. You know, you need to be confident in shooting and just play and just explore. Mm. It's so important. Mm, mm. I love that also that you're like shooting as you can like see the end result. And yeah. All, so you know what your eyes draw yeah. to. So important. I know, but it's so weird because like people are like, do you really shoot like that? What? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, like people think it's like they would consider it as like an amateur way of shooting. Mm. It's very interesting. Mm. But you know, I, I just like to see how it's going to come out. And then, you know, like, 
it helps and then I'm I perfectly expose. Mm. So then I've got less editing in the future. 100%. Whereas like if I'm looking through the eyepiece, you know, I don't get the results mm. like I do when I live shoot. Mm. It's it's like a lazy way of shooting, but for me it works. No, I think it's efficient. It, it's right so word. efficient. And it also, <laughs> it works with posing and I can, you know, I just think be creative and play. Yeah, I could not agree more. We'll continue unpacking this topic in a hot minute. But first, we need to give a big shout out to Orms, without whom this wonderful podcast would not be possible. Orms is a cornerstone of the creative community in South Africa offering industry-leading support, the latest gear, world-class display options, and unique educational opportunities for photographers, artists, and visual creatives, both locally and internationally. As always, you can find out everything you need to know by visiting ormsdirect.co.za or any of the links under the What We Do header in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get back to the discussion. So sort of like we're starting to wrap up this sort of section, but um, I wanted to kind of touch on a sort of aesthetic that I've noticed in your work recently and that a lot of it is kind of like focused on like portraying women as very fierce, very warrior-like. Um, and I wanted to know what drew you to photographing your subject in this manner and then sort of as a secondary sort of thing of that, you know, why do you feel it's important to show women in this sort of light? Wow, I love this question actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I I am so inspired by these women who I shoot photographs, I say, mm. and um, I'm so tired of seeing photos of women. And some of these photographers, you know, they they shoot women in a way where they don't look up towards the woman. They shoot in a way where they look down. Mm. And when you look at the image, like the feeling I get when I look at these photos of these other photographers is. It's like they belittle the woman. They, mm. you know, they're not showing them for who they truly are. And, you know, the I choose my models very carefully. And whenever, like, I really have to get to know, like, for my fine art, like, I really have to get to know my, my models. And they inspire me. Mm. And for me, when I look at them, I, I, I think they are the most powerful woman. You know, like, it's it, they're amazing. And I shoot people in a way where I shoot at how I see them. And, you know, for all women that I've met, I'm just, you know, like I see they're scared. They're scared of the world. They, mm. you know, you can see they're like thinking what other people are thinking of them. Myself as a female, like I just get so annoyed when people think, oh, no shame, you can't do it because you're a female. Mm. But like it's gotten to a point where I'm like, you know what? No, I can do anything. I can do anything I want to do. Yeah. And I've gotten this mindset, you know, like this mindset has literally made, made me feel like I'm unstoppable. And I, I want to show people how I see them and show them like you are a force to be reckoned with. Mm. And, you know, I don't want to mention names, but like I look at the work and I'm like, you're showing, you're showing the model to be scared or the, the subject is scared. Like they're mm. not, they're not comfortable. Yeah. If you look at these images and... I want to portray it in a way where, you know, the girl will look at the image and she'll be like, I can do anything. Yeah. And, you know, for me to shoot African women, mm -hmm. for me, I, the reason why I love African women so much is because I, I see them as freaking super women, like mm -hmm. powers, like powerhouses. And like, 
they are just so amazing. And the reason why I went in this direction is because the work that I have seen in the past, it upsets me. It like, they don't shoot these African women in a way where they're uplifting them and showing them how amazing they are. They're shooting them in a way where they are showing not poverty, but like, you know, like, like shame. You know, when you look at the image, you're like shame, mm. you know, like I feel so sorry for her mm. and I don't like that. I'm so mm. tired of people doing that and portraying these women the way they wanted to do it all like all these years ago mm. so I just want to try and do something completely different and you know for me it was just like a little like a passion project like and I feel like it's something I really want to delve deeper into because I feel so strong about it and a lot of these girls have actually come up to me other models as well African models and they said to me you know, for the once, for for the, for the first time, mm. someone's actually capturing us the way we want to be captured, mm. and that for me really that made me go. You know what? I'm. I think I'm onto something. Like, yeah. like I'm finding beauty, finding beauty in these these girls, and I'm just like, I just get so much joy from it. And um, I actually recently found a new model who I'm like, I'm very excited about. Mm. Um, she's gonna be my next uh, model for my next fine art shoot, and she her personality is. She's an unbelievable girl and, you know, I find that inspiration from the people. Yeah. And I can't just go and just choose a model like from a mood board or, you know, you get these agencies, they'll send you like a, like a board to choose the models, you know, mm. for those, those jobs. I can't do that for my work because I need to personally have this connection with the model. I need to know what, like actually, like talk to them about like everything and understand them. And then I find that, that that thing that I feel like that, like vulnerability and I can shoot it. But then when I do shoot it, I, I push them, you know, and yeah. that for me, I think is what I want to do. And, um, like example with my fine art shoot with Noel, sure. <laughs> I was crying like a baby when I was shooting it because <laughs> I saw something in her that I was just like, I'm so proud of this, like this moment, everything, like she, she came to me and she was crying. Like oh. we were all crying. And she said, you know, like in her culture, she's not allowed to walk with a walking stick. And, um, you know, for me, I said to her, I was like, but you can do anything. Like who's stopping you? Mm. You know, and that's just something I just want to portray. And I want people to look at this image that I can all the series or images that I create. And I want them to feel like, you know, they're unstoppable because like I don't want to create an image where you look at it and you feel sad no it's mm. I'm tired of that I want to look at an image where you want to feel like you want to take on the world and that's yeah yeah I'm I don't know I just feel a woman don't really get like I'm not like a feminist but like I just I just want to empower and just show that mm. force that's the word I was going to use is your subjects always look empowered yes to me. empowered and war like I just like you know I just want to I don't know how to put it into words, but I just want to like show them how I see them mm. and how I see these girls and these females. It's it's like you can do anything and I want them to see that too. Yeah. Lioness energy. That's what I get from yeah. the images. I'm just like, rawr, <laughs> like we're fierce. We're like, you, you can know, do anything. You can yeah. do literally anything. Just freaking put your mind to it. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> Finally, difficult question. Um, a word on your sort of like signature style. I want to know how you went about crafting that personal aesthetic that you've developed and then, you know, sort of creating such a strong and recognizable visual identity for your images. Because as we've mentioned before, maybe like 
I don't think it was in this, but we we have discussed it, where like people know, I know, like when I see an image of yours, this is a, a Nina Zimalong piece. And I want to know like how you kind of went about like crafting that a little bit. To be honest, I don't really see what you see when you see one of my images. <laughs> um, I I think if you look at the way I shoot, I don't really follow the rules of photography in my work. Um, mm. I, you know, you always get rule of thirds. You know, you get told, you know, you need to do rule of thirds. Mm. I don't follow the rules. Like, you got to make, you know, shoot how you want to see it. Like, I love to have a wide aperture. For me, I think... Shooting at like a 1.2 would be awesome, which sometimes mm. I do. I love to make the subject the main focus and then everything else a bit blurry. I mm. love it. I absolutely thrive for that. And um, I would think that would be a like, I don't really shoot images that are have like an aperture of like nine. I don't go, I think the highest I'll ever shoot is like six and then mm. in studio would be eight. But when I'm outdoors, it won't go lower than no, it won't go higher than four. Like, I really mm. love to blur out. So I think that is sort of how you can see my work as well. Mm. It, more technical terms. Mm. And then also I love to shoot in the center. My model will always be in the center just because that's how I see it. Mm. I don't, like, you know, sometimes if it's to the side, the model's face will be to the side of where they are looking. So I'll do a thing where if I have, if I shoot a little bit, you know, to the side, the model's looking that way, um, it's like I want to create that space empty space to for the person to create a story about that shot mm. and then um my portraits that's something i actually need to get more into is like my really close-up photography i don't know why i love to i don't i, don't, I need to challenge myself more mm. so i don't do the portraiture the way i want to and um i think that's my next challenge that i will do um so yeah, I, I, I just shoot. Like, I don't really think about what I'm shooting. And then at the end of the day, I'll go home and go, ah, I should have done this. Oh, mm. I should have done this. I just go with it. And that makes a lot of sense to me, what you've described, because the two qualities that kind of come out to me in your work, other than the, the sort of like fierceness and stuff that we've discussed oh, already. And the craziness and, and the, the craziness and the poofiness and all of that <laughs> is... I think the central framing speaks a lot to balance for me. Yeah. Like your images always have a great sense of serenity and harmony. Um, and then you get this beautiful juxtaposition that comes out with the, the like the shooting like on a wider aperture, mm. like you've discussed. Yeah. Gives it this like soft dreamlike sort of thing. But then mm. you've got like a very strong pose. Pose, with, yes. With yes. a soft with background, background, crisp focus. Yeah balance in the image so i i get what you're saying like i see it so basically when i am live shooting this is also another benefit of live shooting is i position my model in the location that would work so example mm. there's a mountain behind i'll position her where her head is literally like right under the mountain and she fits perfectly into the background so everything has a place and a story so i will position the model in a way where she fits into the into the background for me that's huge because mm then it just all flows easier when you look at it. Um, you know, whereas if I shoot it in a way where I don't really position the model into the background, then I feel like, you know, it, you lose that. You lose that connection with the model with the, with the environment. Mm. So I, I really make everything, like, flow and work. So it it's a lot about being OCD and working with how this works where. And if you look at all my work, the way I position, 
I think that's also another strong thing that I do. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I would definitely agree with that as a statement. While um, I would say your career is 100% like still very much in its sort of burgeoning stages, um, you've had some really incredible highlights so far, which I'd love to talk about, um, including... Let's just rattle off a few of these here. You know, you had work featured in Vogue Russia and Harper's, ba- Harper's Bazaar China. Um, and then perhaps most notably, you actually shot and worked with like Vogue Germany, if I mm-hmm. believe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, can you maybe tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came about and then like what that whole process was like? Well, that was actually pretty cool. Uh, so from client work, so they'll find me through social media and then they book me for a job and then they send that work off to those magazines. So that's how my work was published in those. Incredible. It's so awesome. And like, I didn't even, you know, when you're just shooting, I didn't even realize or yeah. know that that's where it would end up in. So I was, that was just one of the, like, the highlights. And um, then with Vogue Germany, so... I did two stints for them. So the one was where I was with them for a full week and we were shooting at this place called Salt. I was shooting for like their whole main um, event. So all those images that I was shooting, I was going in the Vogue magazine. And for me, you know, like I had set this like goal in my life where I wish I, <laughs> I didn't, I set it a little more, um, you know, more like accurately. <laughs> like in my head, I was like, I want my name to be printed in Vogue magazine. So my goal was, my wish, my goal was granted where um, all my images were in Vogue magazine with my name, photos by Nina Zimbalong. Wow. And I still have that copy. I'm, I'm, like for me, that was like an absolute highlight. But I was like, you know what? I should have envisioned the dream more differently. <laughs> I should have been like a, you know, like a fashion and all of that. But no, it's, it's all in the process. And then the second one was vogue germany they had the 40-year exhibition and this was held in a um, gallery in munich and man this was so awesome i was part of their 40-year exhibition so i was actually shooting in the studio that they do all their fashion shoots in and then in the room next door was all of Karl Lagerfeld's um, first pieces he's ever designed for Chanel and his last pieces and all the the letters that he wrote to um, Christiana Arp. And she's like the main editor. She's like the Anna Winter of Europe. So for me, that was like, I just absolutely loved that because I was like, to be shooting in a room next to that, that was really, it was an absolute highlight. And I was shooting, like just doing like live shoots for all these people that were viewing the exhibition. And there were images of me in the magazine and online saying, you know, like Vogue photographer Nina Zimmerlong. And for me to, you know, to be able to have, to be able to have done that, it's huge, you know, like coming from South Africa, yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't have known I would be doing this. And, um, you know, pre-COVID, I think, you know, right before COVID hit, like I had so many opportunities that were coming my way, you know, from after this and all of that. And, you know, when COVID hit, everything just stopped. So like for me, I want to say to you who are listening, we are all going through COVID and what's all the implications that has behind it. And a lot of people's dreams were on put on pause. And for me, I found a new love and I'm so grateful for it. Like I regret absolutely nothing. To have done Vogue, it was one of my biggest dreams and I've accomplished that. So now I'll make it out in public. The next dream of mine will be to actually be doing a fashion shoot for Vogue. Wow. So we'll see how long it will take to, <laughs> to fulfill. 
Um, but yeah, so that for me was awesome. And then, yeah, it's just all these small jobs you get. You never like, you know, I'm going back to what I said previously. You never know mm. what you're going to get from it. So those two jobs that I did, they ended up in these publications. And then, you know, from networking, that's how I met the connections with Vogue. So it's all about networking. Mm. It's mm. all about who you know. And, you know, when these people see you, they, they, they believe in you. And then they will push for you. And that's what you need to understand. Like, don't be shy to tell people what you believe in and what you do and really put yourself out there because that's what I did and look what where I end up. You know, I'm I'm a little South African photographer. And, you know, now I shoot and overseas. It's incredible. Yeah. And so well deserved, may I just hard add. Hard work. A lot of hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just an overnight thing. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of like coming to the end of our, our conversation, but as a final topic, I wanted to touch a little bit on this sort of connection between photography and social media, which we've done a little bit already. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're pretty active on Instagram. You've got uh, three accounts, I believe, which you kind of use to showcase your work. You know, you've got just sort of more wedding and then fashion, fine art vibes. And then I think you've got a personal account as well, if yeah. I remember correctly. If I could, I would throw my phone off. Must <laughs> <laughs> get blowing up all the notifications it's, just all the no, time. I turn all that off. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not good for the the mindset. No, it's no. constantly distracted. No. Um, and then, of course, uh, if I have done my research correctly, I believe you also have a background in marketing. Hence, yeah, yeah some yeah. of the the questions I'm going to ask. But you've mentioned before that you get a lot of your work from social media, word of mouth, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. majority, and then social media coming in like as a, a hot second there. But um, do you have any advice for young photographers who want to run? their business social media accounts more successfully to book those jobs. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I've actually been asked this many times. Yeah. Um, don't just post for the sake of posting. Cause when mm. you start doing that, you're posting work. That's terrible. Mm. Like I've seen some photographers that asked me for advice and I said, delete this, delete this. You don't need this. What are you doing? Delete, delete. Like I, I don't post on the regular, but you know, when I do post, I make sure it's work that I'm proud of mm. that I can stamp my name on. And I think it is so important. Like you don't need to post all the time, you know, and try and not be that photographer that is always using the same preset mm. because you know clients aren't gonna go for that you yeah. know you need to show versatility um i think it's so important because i i see all these photographers like they for weddings yes it's great um because the clients will book you because of the weddings and they were like the way you shoot but like for fashion don't use presets mm. it's it's gonna kill you slowly like um you know, when clients book you, they need to see, that, you know, they don't want to look like the other guy. So, example, mm. A is going to book you and then B is going to book you. Then A is going to realize, oh, no, my photos look like B, you know, because yeah. it's edited the same way. And it's not it's not good. Mm. Like, mm. They need to see that you're going to adapt to their brand. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. You need to show people that you can adapt and like don't fall, you know, don't be scared. Like, don't fall into that gap where you're just doing the same thing. And then also challenge yourself. Like, example, I want to book a job for a sports fitness wear brand. I'm going to go now to email a whole bunch of um, sports fitness brands and be like, hi, I want to shoot for your brand because I just want to build my book. Mm. And then you do that shoot. They're going to love the work. And then you post your work and then you're going to see it. They're going to book you. In the future jobs because they can see what you do mm. so you can do that you know if you want to start getting out there just use social media connect but post the right things and 
don't be that photographer that rants about how people need to understand you as a photographer and how work is so hard. Like, don't complain on social media. Mm. Like, you know, this photographer doesn't understand that I work so hard. And like, don't keep your social and your private life private. Don't post. Don't be that person because you're just going to scare clients off. You know, they're watching you, you know. I mean, just... Play it safe, like look after your image, yeah. your brand image, I'd say. So important. It's so important. And yeah, and just look at what other photographers are doing that are doing well that you like and you feel like you want to be like them. Look at what they shoot, look at how they do things and you can replicate it. Mm. But don't replicate it in a way you are shooting the same things. I'm just saying like, look how they post, look what they write, look at who they are targeting and do that, you know, you can always copy someone's formula. It's the formula, not the work, not the images. It's the formula of how they do it and do it better. Yeah. You know, you can always find a flaw in their system. You just need to keep pushing. I mean, you know, it's not an overnight thing. Like, you know, when I started to do photography, I knew this is not going to be an overnight thing. Like I've worked so hard and I know it's going to take another three more years for me to reach where I want to be. Mm. It's, it's a long journey and you need to be patient and it's, don't be in a rush. You know, just go with the flow and don't push yourself and don't burn yourself out and don't compare yourself to other yes. photographers. Oh, I did that the other day and I'm like, what am I doing? Mm. I was like so bleak. I'm like, no, look who they shitting for. Mm. And I'm like, no, I'm just <laughs> sitting and just scrolling through Instagram. And I was like, nope. Stop stop, 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 stop. It's stop. not good. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's not, not good. good. That is all, yeah, I'm, I, I keep saying this, such great practical advice, but it's so, so true. The, particularly the adaptability thing. This is something I'll draw from Cine side, and this is coming straight from the words of the great legendary Roger Deakins, who is like the world's best cinematographer, absolute legend. And he speaks about like how he doesn't have a style, when it comes mm. to shooting for films. Yeah, I also don't. Yeah, he's it's like, not good. No, it's don't. not it's not about me. It is about what image. is yeah. right yes. for the client 100%. and the brand and the story. That is it. I don't try and put like yeah. you know, my particular mark yeah. or like force my aesthetic on anything. This is about like what is right for yeah. that situation. The photo shoot should inspire the edit. Yes. Not yeah. I yeah. think hundred percent. I yeah. cannot agree more. We cannot talk about social media with you and uh and not mention that video oh, of yours no. though. <laughs> It's always, it always comes up. We have to do it. Uh, You had a video that went viral on TikTok fairly recently. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to, you probably know what question I'm leading with next. Uh, Why, why do you think this occurred? And what was that experience like for you? Good old TikTok. You know, Mm. I, you know, I, when I started Instagram, I was at pretty long ago, you know, I was like one of the early adapters and Mm. I'd realized like how fast, the accounts grew but then I'd stopped and then when TikTok came ar- around and like you know it's like in lockdown I was like you know what I'm just gonna join this and see what it's about and it got to a point where I was like wow it's actually quite addictive um, it really is and <laughs> you know the I was watching some people's accounts were growing and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna try this and like I was looking at other photographers I mean yes they're more personal like I try avoid to do the whole personal thing just because mm. I don't know. I just think by me putting myself out there, I'm like, oh, I should just 
protect myself and just keep it to my, my keep my brand identity like mm. how I want it. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to post like behind the scenes on my shoots. And um, I started to do that. And then I posted some of my shoots and like, you know, there was one image I did where I was like, hey, I shot for Vogue and it was like behind the scenes image video of that. Mm. And so now what I've been doing is all my shoots that I do, I'll have someone do just behind the scenes on my phone. And mm. it's actually really awesome because I've noticed how my Instagram has grown from TikTok, but it, it's because the algorithm in Instagram, it's, I don't know what they're doing. They've, their Instagram is not the same as it used to be. It's really not. And I was also doing a lot of like reading up and so what you should do also as like a photographer, learning about like reading up about social media and seeing what are the changes and the forecasts of what, where things are going. And TikTok is so powerful. Like I have not really understood how it's, it's just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. Um, that image, the, the, sorry, the image, the video went viral that I posted and I think it has like 2.7 million views. And then from that, my Instagram account blew up like 4,000 more followers. And then, um, I got a lot of DMS, a lot of like requests and I've actually, you know, I, was just also recently on TV for yes. also again talking about my TikTok. Mm. I mean, yeah, so it's like, you know, these small things, you know, you have to make use of it. And I just did it as an experiment and I'm actually enjoying it because I get to show people like behind the scenes of my shoots. And that's something photographers don't really do. And also like the images that come from it. A lot of these people who follow me are also young budding photographers and they're messaging me and they're like, hey, um, would love to get some advice, you know, so I, I like connecting to the other photographers and seeing what's like the latest trends. And then they talk to me and they tell me how they are finding things. And yeah, I enjoy it, but I just feel like I'm not really following and copying what other people do. I'm just mm. doing what I want to do. Like, yeah. It's sort of working. Mm. <laughs> it is sort of working, yeah. I'd say, just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but it's quite funny because at my age, I'm on TikTok. It's just like, oh, goodness. I mean, I am as well. I'm like... Thoroughly addicted. How it's it's crazy. I've put a little uh, t time on. So yeah. if I'm on it for more than, what, 20 minutes, it, it says put your password in. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm there. Stop yourself. Yeah. It's not no, good. It's, it's not healthy. No, it's really not. In terms of like the experience of the, the TikTok that blew up, was that like, was that crazy? Like, were you there like in shock just watching the numbers? Um, it was yeah it was really really cool when it was going up but you know at the same same stage like I was worried about the comments you yeah. know and I got no negative feedback because there was was negative feedback that I received but people had my back mm. and people were like no you know like it's just crazy like that was the one thing I was like scared of it's just like the, the comment system because you get bad people out there just want negative you know on they want to start nervous. drama yeah they want to no start reason. drama and i was actually very impressed that everyone had my back and i you know i i just received love mm. and you know i just kept going i was like cool i'm gonna just keep on with the tiktok thing and mm. i'm the amount of messages i've received of that you know you've inspired me your work is amazing it's really cool yeah or, yeah actually i think i should do like a tiktok live one day 
Someone Ooh, uh, very nervous. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, maybe I should do it. It'll be interesting. I see them happening all the time. I think it is a really nice uh, sort of intersection of a popular platform with yeah. a popular medium. Yeah. Worth but it, trying. It is quite cool. It's like fast. It's You get your information fast. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's instant. It's basically. instant. So I actually would recommend photographers, you know, you have to understand the people who are on TikTok, it's the younger generation. Yes, yeah, some of these people, they don't have the money. Um, but it is interesting how people from the older generations are starting to go on TikTok. Yeah. So you can't say, no, it's just for the younger people. Mm. It's not. It's really, really not. It's not. It also depends on what niche you're in. Yes, if you're like yes. on what they call like straight TikTok where it's dancing kids all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's younger people. But in these other broader spaces, yeah. it's a much wider age range. Like it's it's unbelievable. Like you get these brands who, who are like selling soaps and they yeah. go viral overnight and then they've sold out. And then that's how their business has picked up and it's mm. flown. Like I think you know, make use of these social media platforms because, you know, it really will help you out. And don't mm -hmm. be scared. Like, go throw yourself out there. Just do it. Just do it, Nike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so kind of from like perusing your TikTok, it seems that you mainly, as you've mentioned, actually, you use your account to kind of document behind the scenes of your shoots. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, what do you feel is the value in bringing people along with you on those shoots virtually, like through through those videos? It's so important because people can understand what what you put in and like mm. what goes into a shoot like this because it's all about the teamwork and like you, you wouldn't create the work that you do if you didn't have that team behind you. So for me to show, you know, the behind the scenes, it's it's really important and they can see you know, you have the makeup artist, you have the stylist, you have the assistants, you have the photographer, and it's like all set up, it's the clothing, it's it's everything really. And like people aren't really brought behind the scenes to see this stuff. So that's why I try and show that. And um, yeah, for me, it's, it's just, it's important to show people because they don't really appreciate really what you put into it. Mm. Mm. You know? seeing the process and mm. then there's that also that satisfying like mm. sort of result and you see, like yeah. the result yeah and like when you look at my work with you know from the camera to actual after editing my work is very different mm. i do have like little crazy techniques that enhance the images even more with the, the color grading and mm. then the editing but it's, it's it's quite interesting to see no 100 percent. i could yeah I keep saying this. I keep saying I could not agree more, but I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, I'm just agreeable. I'm just very agreeable. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question. Uh -huh. So you can give me a nice, simple yes or no to this. Um, so do you think all photographers should be on TikTok as a means of bringing exposure to their brand and their work? Yeah, 100%. Sorry, yeah. I, I, it was a yes or no. No, that is a, that is a perfect answer. It's important. Mm. Just experience and throw yourself out there. You could get work. I mean, I've gotten a job or two from TikTok. I mean, like, why not? And at the end of the day, it's like yeah. more eyes on what you do. It, yeah, like, it always helps, you know? Instagram is scarily, scarily? It uh, is scary. Dying. <laughs> yes. Dying up. Um, it's, yeah. So is Facebook. Facebook, I mean, my Facebook mom, my dad are, like you know, all the old parents on Facebook. Yeah. I don't even know any of the younger kids that are on Facebook. I literally use Facebook for Marketplace. I was on Facebook the other day and someone was like, oh my gosh, is that Facebook? <laughs> and they were 18. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, it's Facebook. And they're like, oh, cute. You're on Facebook. 
I haven't seen that app like in so long. I was like, okay. Okay, Zuma. All right. <laughs> Chill out. It's important. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I think these apps are important. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Okay, we have our last question. Mm-hmm. And of course, because we are Orms, uh, we have to ask you about the gear that you shoot on. I want to see what's inside your camera bag. So what, what is in your kit at the moment? I'm a Canon baby. I mean, through and through. Always I mean. been a Canon baby. <laughs> Honestly, I will never change. I love Canon. My f- first camera was a 5D Mark II. So I obviously don't shoot on that anymore. And then I got myself the 5D Mark IV. Mm. Um, yeah, so I got that little one. And I've named her Floy. And Floy means flea in Afrikaans. So yeah, Floy. Incredible. Yeah, so I named my gear, I named my cameras Floy. So I got Floyd 1 and Floyd 2. So Floyd 2 is a Canon R. Mm. She's beauty. Mm. It's a really nice Perfection. one. Perfection. I love her. Mm. I actually prefer shooting on her yeah. than on my 5D Mark IV, which is quite crazy. Like I never thought that. I never thought you'd go for the no. Marius 5. A lot of people ask me and I think it is so worth it. Mm. it it's such a advanced, like it's, it's crazy. It's so advanced. Um, and then I've got my, my absolute go-to lens is the 7200. Mm. I'm always shooting on her. So she's been with me on like all my shoots. Like you'll only see me carrying that lens. And like, it's the amount of people like, oh, isn't that heavy? Mm. No, it's not. I'm so used to it. <laughs> I literally will just shoot on that all day. Yeah. Then I've got my 85. Um, I've got my 50 1.2. So these are all primes. Mm. I only have my prime lenses. Then I've got a 2470 and then I've got a 35, which is the only thing that's not Canon, which is a Sigma lens. Mm. Um, I just got that one because it was at that time I really wanted to get a 35 and it was the cheapest option. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've named all my lenses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've I've got all the lenses really. And um, I shoot on all of them. There isn't one lens where I'm like, I don't really shoot on so mainly i love doing uh my portraits on my 7200 which is quite interesting because mm. you know you'd use the 85 but i love the 7200 i don't know i'm just i don't really it's f- just different yeah, yeah i just it's I'm, I'm all over the place but yeah i'm i bought all my babies and i love them <laughs> <laughs> i love that you name your cameras no it's really funny and then like you know i've got the assistants um you know she's like so she's like i can't find the camera it's floyd it's like what <laughs> yeah i name it it's funny i name everything my car what's your car called puff mace <laughs> <laughs> puff mace means like puffy mouse that's that's i love that <laughs> floyd and puff mace yeah so um, <laughs> My car's called Patsy. Patsy. I like mm. Patsy. Patsy. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Before we start naming other things, yeah. Nina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this was you. wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great chat. A fantastic I really chat. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for coming in. Cool. Have a good day. Woo! Bye! <laughs>